body. You know, America's all about hot, badass, nasty speed. I mean, that's how you got to play the game of hockey. gentlemen welcome back to behind the mask i'm ron radosevich joined by jacob stinson and cameron mclaren we got a lot of stuff to talk about a lot of stuff that i mean i don't know if we really do want to talk about what but we're gonna talk about it uh but gentlemen first off how are you guys doing today i'm doing all right i'm kind of excited i'm excited for the super bowl uh a little less excited to talk about msu hockey than i normally am but um yeah other than that I'm, i'm having a good time yeah, I'm excited for our little road trip this weekend. That'll that'll be fun, you know, here and back to A squared, here and back to Detroit. So, you know, oh, yeah. we'll just we'll go from there. Schoolwork's starting to ramp up with midterms right around the corner. So this, oh. sh- this should be Yeah, I said the word. I forgot about those. I said the word. Oh, midterm. I, I, yeah. I went this whole semester about thinking about it until now. Oh. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna get bad here in the next few weeks, and I'm pretty sure the uh the listeners are going to hear how bad we have it. <laughs> we we will not hold back. <laughs> Uh, anyways, some games to note that happened last week in the Big Ten. Number 13, Notre Dame swept Penn State. Ohio State swept Wisconsin. And Minnesota swept MSU. Michigan had a bye. So it was a week of sweeps in the Big Ten. Unfortunately for MSU, they were on the opposite side of one. So an updated standings of the Big Ten. Right now, Ohio State, number one. They up there. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Were they were they Not supposed us. to be picked it's, last? I think they're picked like, they in were that picked, preseason. They were picked last. Over, they it's, were picked last. Yeah. Um. It's just that freshman class, man. It's yeah. just been special. They've been on one the, all year. The kids are all right. That the freshman class at Ohio State is the same rookie class as the Red Wings right now. If you if you don't follow the Red Wings, Lucas Raymond, Moritz Sider, and technically Nedeljkovic, that's. That's like that's like Ohio State's kind of run the Big Ten. They're ranked number eight, though, not the top in the Big Ten in rankings nationally, but they are on top of the Big Ten currently with forty-three points, five points. I can read that right. Yep, five points in front of Michigan, who's ranked number four. Minnesota in third place of the Big Ten. They have thirty-seven points and they're ranked number seventh nationally. Notre Dame ranks number eleventh. Following them is Penn State. After them is Wisconsin, and in lonely last, only trailing Wisconsin by one point, though, is Michigan State. So they can control their destiny with those last three spots. Penn State only has 17, Wisconsin has 16, Michigan State has 15. But other than that, you're not going to catch Notre Dame. So that is the updated standings for the Big Ten. And uh, let's let's just get this over with. Uh, Minnesota recap. Uh, not really much to talk about over the weekend. The uh, first game was a 4-2 loss for the Spartans. Uh, Charleston did get the nod because of a good uh, couple weeks of practice off the bye week. And in my opinion, Spartans had a really good first period. They were outshot 14-11, but they, after 20 minutes, went up two goals. Uh, Christian Krieger, in my opinion, had the Spartans' defensive play of the year, uh, poke-checking a Minnesota defenseman with the puck, springing himself for a breakaway, and then just absolutely roofing it on close. It was a beautiful goal. Do you guys see it? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, it was nice. It was. Hey, you got it. You got to take positives where they were. That was, that was a really good play by Christian there. So, so good on him. And then the second goal, once again coming from the Mindendorf Tucker Davidson line, keeping their production up as Davidson picks up his tenth on the season. So the Spartans were up two zero after the first. Looks like a different team. 
they were they were fresh out the gun. Yeah, but we've seen the story against Minnesota before yeah. the same season of getting up to an early lead and then just Minnesota goes on a run and just absolutely collapses. Yeah, I think this is when uh, last podcast after we were uh, recapping the uh, Minnesota series, I think this is where I said this is where you wanted to turn off your TV, even though Michigan State was ahead, because same thing happened. Michigan State was up 2-0, and then it all went downhill, and Minnesota closed the game out with four goals straight. So that was game one, 4-2 loss for the Spartans. Anything you guys have to add there, gentlemen? Not particularly. I mean, it's just kind of one of those things. I feel like this team is just not good at coming back from... Uh, from behind I think a lot of times they'll do they've done this song and dance a number of times already but it's like they'll get themselves into a hole um even if they're leading or whatever but if they if they find themselves behind they just I I just the fight just does not seem to be there really for the most part um at least either it's that or they just dig themselves enough of a hole to the point where it's like insurmountable at that point yeah, I mean, recently I agree with you, but hey, beginning of the season, I I coined this team as like a third period team. They if they, there was a one goal deficit, they either tied it or took the lead. But that was against they La were doing conference. Yeah, that was when they had I mean, Lewandowski and Lochran. They were doing great at that point, um, but it just seems lately like they cannot or like I, some might think is going on in the locker room or whatever because it just doesn't seem like the fights there like like it was at the beginning of the year yeah. when there was still the optimism and stuff like i think a lot of them were kind of thinking like the moment it goes down or like they get behind it's just like i don't know they just cannot seem to dig themselves out of a hole and i whether that be because you know you're playing better competition mostly than you would in your non-conference play all in all it's just it's just tough i mean it's yeah, things are not going in the right streak. direction it can lose you're going to do that to you exactly Cam, you got anything to add there I mean, I kind of respectfully disagree because this this team ever uh, you, you can't take a look or you can't just really look at it from an eight game losing streak perspective because it's it's been a completely different team the past few weeks. Ever since the, that, ever since getting walloped four to one against Ohio State, it's a completely different team. Because I took about ten to fifteen minutes for them for to trying or literally the entire game, the second game against Ohio State, wondering if my byline was going to have to switch or not. Because they they were close, they were there. They've been in. They've given they've given themselves the opportunity to be in certain positions. They got up to nothing on Minnesota in that first game. But once Minnesota scored in the second, you have to be able to stop the bleeding. They scored two goals in a minute and a half. When good teams smell blood in the water, they pounce like a like a school of piranhas, and that's what Minnesota did. Five minute scoring spurts has been the Spartans' downfall oh, yeah. and their strength the entire year. At the beginning of the year, if you notice, they scored a lot of goals in five minute periods. But then, as of recently, the Minnesota, the first Minnesota series, that first game, Minnesota scored three or f- I think four goals in five minutes from the end of the second period to the beginning of the third, to make it like five to three. In that game specifically. Oh, you're talking about first series of the yeah, season. Yeah, the first okay, series yeah. against Minnesota. Yep. But to me, it's they they've been in games. I'm not gonna say that there's no fight there. I'm gonna there's a loss of a leader on the team. Because Lewandowski's out, he wears an A. You know, a lot of people look up to that, but there's been guys that have stepped up into that role. 
including guys that don't wear an A. So I'm not going to come out and say, like, no no offense. It's just I'm not going to say that there's no fight. I'm just saying what they're what they've been saying is they've been good. They just have yet to play a 60 minute game. They turn like off. That, yeah. They turn off for 30 seconds to a minute, sometimes three minutes at times, and that's when they just shoot themselves in the foot. Because that's what happened in the first game against Minnesota for, of this weekend was they took a barrage of shots. Charleston kept them in the game. It could have been two nothing within the first like three minutes of this game, but he kept them in it. Krieger goes coast to coast. Good goal for him. Davidson gets to tap in. It's two nothing. They just couldn't keep up with it. They couldn't continue it. And I mean that that also comes to play, especially when you're playing on an Olympic sheet. You know, sometimes you're just not used to that. What I think is important to highlight here um, is just given the way like the style of play that Michigan State plays, they like they're prone to having those kinds of runs every now and again, uh, or having those runs hit against them, just solely based off the amount of shots that they allow on net. It's just that kind of stuff is bound to happen. I can look at the exact numbers, but I remember at one point they, um, I think we're fourth in the country on shots allowed like per game. It was like what 36, 38. Okay, it, it was up. So there. it's up. So it's actually third now, um, in on total shots allowed per, um, in general uh, on the season. What's it at? Um, they've allowed one thousand forty-seven shots this year. Uh, only two teams ahead of them are Arizona and Mercyhurst. Let me see. 1,047? Yes. Divided yeah, by 28 37, games. Yeah. 37. So game. averaging about 37 oh, shots on goal a game. When you do that kind of, when you have that kind of, um, that many shots on goal, you're prone to having those sorts of, of lapses every now and again. But the other thing is, is that. That's, that's how it's bound to happen. You have two goalies that are competent and that do their job very well. And they're, right. they're getting, but, the shots that they're letting in aren't high quality scoring chances. The only thing I'm saying is it's the main, the point I'm more trying to make is when you do allow a lot of shots on goal, regardless of your goalie, whether you've got Andre Vasilevsky starting in net or a random scrub off the street, you're if you let up that many shots on goal, you're going to be prone to having those sorts of runs every now and again, right? The issue then at that point becomes how do you respond? How do you get the how do you answer back on the scoreboard um, and put goals in the net on the other end? They have not, but they still have not been able to do that. And it goes back to the thing I've been harping on over the past few weeks of just like, what is this team's identity on offense? Because they are not getting goals. They have scored. Uh, if if you, we'll take a guess here, how many times in the in twenty twenty two until the new calendar year has MSU scored at least three goals in a game? They've lost every game. Correct. A zero or maybe one. One, and it was there that was game one. they blew that three one lead against Minnesota. And I just referenced it. Yep. <laughs> it was that's the only time yep, it's either been six. one goal or two yep. the entire the, all the others. Well, I mean, I think so, that's also been the thing that when you take a look at this team in general, it was a facade at the beginning of the year because it was disguised by power play goals. I mean, let's face it, they had a string of games where I think they had power play goals and five out of six at the beginning of the year, all against Air Force, Miami, and I get it, it's under it's lower competition, but goals have been an issue all year. If you take away special teams, it's been an issue all year. So I'm not really worried about that. I'm not sure I'd call that a facade, though, as it was at the beginning of the year. It's just something that definitely distracts you when you see the power play goals. Because when you're scoring five goals, but two of them are on the power play. It's definitely something to note, but I think the key more than that is to show what the discrepancy is between 
the cal- this calendar year and last um has just been like it's the style of play like you if you go back and watch some of those games you'll see that Michigan State is able like will have moments where it's nothing but sustained pressure and they're able to get good possession time in the other team's zone that's not something they're doing anymore really. no, no. you never see that anymore and that's kind of the thing it's i think it's one of those things that numbers doesn't don't fully explain and you have to kind of dig a little more into the tape to realize it but it's just it's one of those things that like when when this team lost Mitchell Lewandowski it just seems like it lost its identity in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, the, the identity went with it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's kind of been the big the big issue and I think the the biggest explanation for this team's now eight game losing streak. It's just a lack of identity on offense. Now we went on a little tangent there. Anything else for game game one there? I th- I mean, no, I <laughs> think it's just No, I, I think I, it's time to just move yeah. on to game two and the other the other yep. stuff. Because this the conversation is gonna come back again whenever oh, you yeah. talk about no, game two. We're gonna talk about it. so game two, I got lazy. It's just oh man, this losing streak is just taking a toll on everybody here. But game two, uh three one loss for the Spartans. Not really much to talk about. Uh, Jesse Tucker did get his second off the season off of Jeremy Davidson. So once again, that line's doing good, but that's pretty much the only thing to highlight. Anything you guys got on that game? It's one of those things again. Um, it's kind of the same play style all year where it's kind of been, what's been the issue. Um, like Jesse Tucker has been a bright spot for this team in, in the middle of this losing streak. And I, he's definitely a guy they can build off of being a freshman. Yeah. The whole um, line. Yes. Yeah. Is, is nice. It's solid. Definitely. But like I'm saying, I think, he he's definitely a guy they can build around look to be like a star in the future he's he's got that he's got that look to him from from what we've seen but just on for the whole team at least it's what it's similar to those same things like you're not going to be a very competitive team if you're a taking as many penalties as they did um in that game or b also only putting up 26 shots on net so like if you're taking nine separate penalties, that's not going to do you great. But yeah, like on the same end, even the, that first period, they got outshot twelve to four, um, yeah. and somehow only found themselves down one nothing. So like it's just things like that. They they have to be able to get the puck on the net of the other team, and they're just, that's just something they're not doing. Cam, yeah, I yeah. mean, twelve to four, and at the same time, the second or the first game, they were. I think they had a 50% shot, I mean, um, percentage at that point. I think they had four shots on goal, and they had two goals already in the first period, so it was kind of wacky. But yep. Yeah, that's no, To me, again, same story. Can't stop the hemorrhaging. Uh, they get cut, and then they just start bleeding profusely. Uh, you let up two goals in a minute and a half again yep. in the third period, and one of them on the power play. Can't give a team like Minnesota five power play opportunities. Uh, they're going to cash in once. They did put the game away. So, to me, um, it's been an issue with Michigan State for the past two years, possibly even three. They don't get a lot of shots on goal. Um, but they're getting chances, which is I, th- I think is weird. Because according to the coach's statistics in terms of chances, which, you know, take them as you want, they've been getting high chances against these teams that they've been playing. They got high chances against Ohio State in the second game. They got high chances over the weekend. It just it doesn't seem to, like many though. Well, to me, honestly, it's it's a lot. It, I think they averaged. I think it was forties. What he said. I think the, the over the over the two games. I think the important thing to note too is how many are they giving up the other way? They're not. It's not that many. It's really not. 
That's what I find surprising. That's why the whole shot argument is so hard for me to un- or for a lot of people to understand is they are getting blitzkrieged. It's legitimately assault what other teams are doing in terms of bra- like just the amount of shots that they put on net. But they're playing teams that shoot the shoot the puck a lot. Wisconsin shoots a lot. Penn State shoots a lot. Minnesota, methodical, can still shoot the puck a lot. But they're not getting grade A opportunities. They're not forcing like DeRitter or Charleston to go east to west. They're not doing that a lot. It's a lot of saves that you trust your goaltender who, mind you, both of them are over six feet, if I remember correctly. I think DeRitter's like 5'11", but we'll bump them. Either way, (laughs) these these guys can make the save when you want them to. And Charleston's been able to do that against Minnesota. DeRitter's been able to do it against everybody else in the Big Ten. To me, I understand they give up a lot of shots. I understand they do, but they're not giving up a lot of chances. It's. I want to cut you off here. It's because of MSU's play style. MSU will give the easy shots to the other team and either try to block it or or like a, they'll just give it to. They'll give them the easy shot, make them work for the highest scoring chances. That's kind of how MSU's been playing. That's why they'll lose the shooting margin in pretty much every single game. But at this point, you wanted to see it work under Dancing Cole. And, and, and even then, the not. shot totals are down. Because if you take a look at last year, you lose Tommy Miller to the to the transfer portal. He's the team's leading shot blocker, mm-hmm. and yet Michigan theme. State is losing the sh- they're losing more shots on goal, or shots blocked. I should say they only had twelve. Usually last year they had like seventeen. At times they had seventeen. So that's five shots. It's are they getting more on goal, or are they getting less shots? And I actually think opposing teams are taking less shots than they were against Michigan State last year. Because it just seemed like Michigan State last year was just discombobulated in every facet of the game. But, like I said, chances are one of those things where I don't have the exact statistics. Nobody really does besides the coaching staff. And what they've said is they've been out chancing people. They've been getting high chances. It may not show it on the score sheet. And that's where I I don't have a problem in saying that they've been in games. They just bleed. They get cut and they can't stop the bleeding. Because two times during this this series against Minnesota, if they don't give up that second goal a minute and a half later, it's a completely different game. And all the goals at Minnesota or against Minnesota this weekend was followed by another goal within five minutes. I checked all the goals that yeah. was followed by a second. Except for well, Besides except Brinkman's for one. first one. Yeah. Okay, There's... interesting stats. Since we've been talking about the whole uh, shooting battle, um, so Michigan State, I think, has played 28 games this year, right? Yeah, right? they've only won the shooting battle, what, four times? Three. But they're 2-1 and one in those games. That's MSU hockey, but at the same time, you want to see it work, and now it's, it's just, just not, not but it's working. Not, though. It's because yeah. they've not been getting it. I think the point that you were trying to make is, and you did it at the end of it, was they're not getting controlled zone time. It's yes. in spurts. Otherwise, the game is played in the neutral zone, and they haven't been very good in the neutral zone since the turn of the year. Mm-hmm. And they're set; they're sitting on their heels a lot in the defensive zone. They're See, inviting pressure, and they're not taking it whenever other teams have are giving them opportunities. Because I'll tell you this: they ran riot over Wisconsin whenever they played them at home. It was funny. They did the same thing to Ferris State. They won the neutral zone battle. They yeah. haven't been able to do that since. See, my, my point, at least going kind of back to the whole sustained zone time thing, just speaking from personal experience as a goalie, 
Like that's the thing I always hated the absolute most out of anything um, in the entire, or like when I was playing was the, when the other team would get that kind of sustained zone time. And I'm like, I'm having to constantly move around back and forth because they're passing the puck from D to D or like working the puck in the corners, things like that. That's the kind of stuff. That's where you will get goalies a lot of time. Because keep in mind, they're moving around all the time, just having to keep an eye on this puck. They have to constantly be active. Like if the other team wants to shoot the puck from the top of the circles the entire game, I will one thousand percent let them. If if they don't, because like not most one of the things you'll learn, or like they'll talk about uh, in coaching and whatnot, is like most like that. Coaches will use a number around like 80% or something like that. 80% of the goals you'll get um, are all scored within about five feet of the net. So, like, that's the thing. They need to get those kinds of opportunities, and they're not doing that because they're not being able to get any sort of sustained zone time. They need the Waffle House greasy goals. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. When's the yeah. last time? That's my, that's my most like, As far as an identity goes, I can't that's where they can build an, such an identity. Well, they used to do it on the power play. They yeah. used to do the shot pass from the point that would go straight down, carry them off the boards, and buck some rebounds right in front to either Lochran or Jagger. But they haven't been on the power play a lot recently. <laughs> my yeah, favorite last play year is comes the, a lot too. My favorite play. The, or effectively at least is the patented pad pass where he'll throw it low like to the corner on a goalie so he has to kick his leg out and it like 90% of the time will will just be right there if you have someone crashing the net it's on the far crease and goalie's down so he's pretty much taken out of the play for he has to second. flail backwards exactly and so like just that change against momentum or he's already down th that's like prime opportunity for an easy goal and i just don't see them doing things like that yeah put us on the coaching staff let's reinvigorate this team man be, come I on be, i can be great at this honestly that's that's well above my pay grade i mean i we don't even get paid for this <laughs> well above your pay grade, you're Good gonna point. get paid if it changes msu i'm saying okay so moving on from those games msu got swept by minnesota once again sadly so there is a overarching question about all this, and this is probably going to take up a big chunk of the podcast, but it's an eight-game losing, uh, eight losing streak. It is Danton Cole's fifth year and final year in his contract. Does MSU move on from Danton Cole? I'll, I'll say some stats here. His best season was 2019-2020 when MSU went 15-19-2, and he doesn't have a single 12-win season over that. In the five years he's coached in the big, he's finished last in four out of five of them. And the only other one was sixth place in 2019-2020. And it's just, it doesn't seem like it's really going anywhere. So that's why we're bringing it up. That's why I want to talk about it. And hey, let, let the discussion begin, gentlemen. So my answer to the question depends on what exactly the, the what exactly we're asking. If we're, if we're talking about, will he be the coach of MSU next year? I, I think he will. I yeah. Well, I would be willing to bet a, a good chunk of money on the fact that Dan Cole will be the head coach of MSU next year. Now, if you want my opinion on should they, I would I would think no. Just I one thing that's we're always weird about college hockey is they seem to be kind of they loyal to coaches to a fault, um, in the sense of they will keep them around probably longer than they should um, at some points. And my thing is, as much as I don't want to rip on the guy because. He's a nice guy, and I don't want to get any. I don't have anything against him personally. But my thing, it's been five years, and the best finish in the Big Ten, a conference of seven teams, mind you, is sixth place. 
and there just has not seemed to be any real tangible improvement over one year to the next. There's nothing really I can look at this and say, do I have faith that this program is going anywhere anytime soon? Um, with with Dan Cole as the head coach, and I, I just at the moment I don't. I don't really have anything. To, nothing really gives me that sort of confidence. Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and say my stance as well. I agree with you. I think Danticle will be back next year, but I personally would like to see MSU move on. Same reasons, and it's it the the real the real reason that I am getting behind this is, like you said, it's been five years. In five years, I know it's college hockey. You don't have much publicity and many eyes on you, but you still want to perform. You still want to do good. College hockey is a moneymaker for the school. If somebody's been at a company, a business anywhere for five years and nothing has improved when their job is to improve said company, said whatever, if it's been five full years and they have not done or not been able to complete the job that they were hired to do, what what what's going to say that the next five years is going to change? Obviously, there's the hardball talk for college football, but that's a that's, whole different situation. Different. They at it's least just... Like for at least the thing with Michigan, like if we're talking more about like the whole things about what's his improvement, like where he's he's still consistently putting together like only like three, four lost seasons every year. Like that's still you're still winning majority of your games. Uh, the hardball you're talking and about, and you're yeah, yeah, and you're still competing for a Big Ten championship every year. Um, yeah, I shouldn't even brought that up. It's such a different. Well, it, I, it is different. Yeah, but kind of. So but different. I like the analogy at least to other sports, to other college sports, because when's the last time you've seen a college football coach get five years uh, with this kind of success, or with this lack, with lack this kind or of lack, or lack thereof? Never. Um, like being held around that long, you see guys that are out after a year. Yeah. Like, it's just. Like, yeah. like I said, if if MSU hockey was at the same page as MSU football. Danticle will not be the head coach, and that's just. I agree. That's just his. Cam. You are you got you got some other stuff to talk like button at any point, man. You got you got a lot to talk about too. You look pensive. He's playing his cards right. He is. Like I said, it's it's a hard thing to talk about just because like I obviously don't want to like make this sound like an ad hominem or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to sound like a personal attack. My it's just what I think would be best for the for the program right now. Yeah. Same as well. And the other point is, Danticle coached, I think it was seven years at U.S. National Team Development Program. He was hired in to MSU to, you know, rival Michigan in getting those recruits. I that, Michigan has absolutely blown Michigan State out of the water of those recruits over the last seven years. No I, no chance. I think, the, if I'm right, the only ones edge. he's gotten from NTDP, weren't, wasn't that Lewandowski and DeRitter? I think that might be it. I'm not 100 sure if that's right. Yeah, there might be I have some. To, I have to fact years, check that yeah. to be accurate. But like the recruits he's gotten have been fan, those have been MSU's two best players over the past few seasons. Yep. Um, but like, yeah, there's that that recruiting pipeline has just not been there either. So there's there's two questions that you guys seem to be answering. The first one is, will Dan Cole be the head coach next year? And that is an astounding yes, he will be. Yep. Mm-hmm. Do I personally think they should move on? I don't think so. Mm, do tell. There's a lot of stuff when it comes to college hockey. You almost never hear about coaches getting fired for lack of performance, or you 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 almost never hear it. It's it's almost like a cardinal sin to fire your hockey coach. 
yeah. especially in college hockey. So I, lo- I looked it up a little bit. I looked up the history of you know Michigan State over the past few years and take a look at all the coaches that they've had. I mean, going back to the 50s, they had one coach, Amo Bassone, or Bassani. I, I really shouldn't know his name. He was very good for a while, but he also had spurts where he was not that good. What are defined spurts? How many years? Uh, let's see. Losing seasons, six in a row to start off in the 50s, and then winning seasons afterwards, and then back to losing. And then it was off and on. So like six years ish. Then so oh, now we geez. get back up to the you know the Ron Mason era, two losing seasons, and then now then they start getting into the talks of you know winning NCAA championships and everything like that. They they were very good. After two so years. So then we talk about Anastas. Now Tom Anastas was here for six years, and in those six years he had one two. Three, four seasons, including a seven twenty four and four season. Four out of his six were losing. Now I will I will say this. Dan, so he had he had two winning seasons. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So Danton Cole doesn't necessarily win the argument there. But what Danton Cole does win is the fact that the past three years, if we take a trip down memory lane, there's a lot more games that Michigan State should have won in nineteen twenty. Cornell series was pathetic from the stripes. As a fan, that was pathetic. I will come out and say that. And we're also missing the fact that they had their season cut before the Big Ten tournament, if I remember correctly, or it was just after. The entire team was on a spurt because the entire team, I think, had the flu from early February on. The end of the 20 season? Yeah. Yeah. They were all sick. Then you talk about last year. Last year, last year we don't was even need to talk it about was, it. <laughs> what do you expect? People are transferring I, I to other people are transferring to other schools because Harvard, Yale, Brown, Colgate, none of them were playing. None of them were playing. So these kids go to other schools. And some of them went to Big Ten schools. And they lit it up in the Big Ten. And now you take a look at this year. You have a team that is, I'm not going to, I can pretty much say it, is designed around Lewandowski. Without him in the lineup, you lose a lot. Not to mention you lose Lochran, who's been, they're, they're your top two point scorers. This is a team that doesn't necessarily have depth scoring. Not at all. Because it hasn't been recruited like that. But the thing is, is what you're, what you also miss is the fact that they did get the new weight room. They got new facilities. That is a huge recruiting chip. Why do you think people are going to go to Arizona? They're going to want to play in a brand new rink. Oh, the Coyotes play there? You're going to run into scouts? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, let's do that. It's better for my playing ability than going somewhere else that has a crummy arena. You, you, can, you can reel about nostalgia all day long, but that, the kids don't care about that nowadays. And here, here's the the other thing that I, I think I was gonna try to get to. You 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 don't see coaching turnaround, and then you get that recruiting like measure in. Dan Cole has brought in some good guys, and I I talked about it before this brought brought um this podcast. 
this is a team that without Lewandowski is built for next year. Because you still have Lochran on a year of eligibility. You have Middendorf, Davidson on a year of eligibility. Gucciardi is going to be your top-scoring defenseman along with Nash Nienhaus, who they've had playing time together recently. Sasan is gone. Lewandowski is gone. Matson has gone. You're going to have a different top six. But you have guys there that have eligibility. And let's face it, you have your top goal scorer and your second leading point scorer coming back. You have a kid on the first line in Tanner Kelly who's playing alongside Nodler and Jagger Joshua who are juniors. They're going to get that experience. I'm not saying this is going to be a night and day difference. I'm just saying for us to say that Dayton Cole does not have a 12-win season as of yet is not really well, something one. that it says on here he's got two. Oh, really? Shoot. 2017-18, 12-22-2, and 12-19-5, and five, oh, and 18-19. I didn't, More yeah. than 12. Okay, so he's got but to two me, 12 it's, wins out of five. They have six games left in the season, and I can already tell you now they're winning at least one game against Penn State, and they're winning at least one game against Notre Dame because they are fighting like their lives depend on it. Because as you said, Michigan State has never been higher than a six seed. They have an opportunity. They can. They are yeah. two points behind Penn State. Uh, and I think two points behind Wisconsin. One point, yeah. They're in striking distance to go down to South Bend, and they play extremely well on South Bend. So for me, I don't see this team moving on from Dan Cole because they've got the additions. You're bringing in new recruits. You're getting people out, and you can you can figure out your offense. Because I'll tell you this, I can give Dan Cole a lot of stink last year for putting the Lions through a blender which really didn't help when preparing for broadcasts. But what he's done in the absence <laughs> yep. of Lewandowski and Lochran, if those guys got playing time at the beginning of the year and weren't thrown into the fire basically playing an Ohio State team that was rolling and a they're about to play a Michigan team that's without their top players, but you also have a Minnesota team that's been rolling, this is a team that if that had been the case early on in the season – they wouldn't be having the, the goal-scoring troubles that they're having right now. So, for me, I, I don't see the need to not only ask the question, but to even have this conversation. Because even though the results don't show it, this is also a conference that has a team like Michigan in it. And if we're going to dive deep into Michigan, Michigan is not a college hockey team. I would go out and say <laughs> they are a NHL, NHL pipeline. Yep. I don't know when the last player was that played more than two years there. I think they have one right now. Everybody else. Yeah, Blankenberg. Everybody else leaves after two years. And you're competing against NHL talent, NHL-ready talent. So, yes, it goes into recruiting, but it also goes into the fact that you have a team like Michigan that's just getting NHLers after NHLers after NHLers. I don't care if they play in the AHL. They're still getting drafted. It's so hard to compete against like that. Teams like that. Well, you do mention Michigan. There are other there's other teams in that conference too that are not quite NHL pipelines either. I wouldn't consider Penn State an NHL pipeline, and they are, are really even other school. Pretty much any other school in the Big Ten other than Michigan and Minnesota, I would not consider NHL pipelines. Um, even then, they're still not doing. They're not faring all that great against them either. Even then, those teams that are NHL pipelines, 
Penn State ran away with the Big Ten in 2020 or 2019, yeah. 2020. Like, let's face it, there are teams that Michigan State has had to play against that are astronomically better than everybody else in the conference. And it used to be that way whenever they played Notre Dame. Those games were always tough when they played Notre Dame. Back in the day, back when they went through 2007, 2008, 2006. Good Spartan teams, even better Notre Dame fighting Irish teams. So, for me, and this is the end of my rant, with the new additions to the to Mun, and with the way that this team is set up with all the new guys coming in and the way that Danton used a transfer portal, I don't see the need to move on from him. Because it would be a total reset, yeah. I mean, you take a look at the record right now. It's what, 11-16-1, 11-15-1, whatever it is. You are essentially, if you win five out of the six games, you're a five, five out of the next six games, you are .400. If you win all six of them, not going to happen. But if you win all six of them, you're at 500. Honestly, this would be a different conversation we ha- that we would be having if Michigan State wins four out of their next six games and then goes to Notre Dame and plays them and beats them in the Big Ten tournament which is not out of the realm of possibility, especially with the way that this team has been playing. It's it's hard when you lose your top two goal scorers, and then after a while you start figuring it out. I understand that the goals aren't coming. I, they're not going to win Michigan State hockey games like that. They're not going to win the one no, the one nothing, the 2-1, the 3-2s the three that they were winning a couple of years ago. But there's still time. I think that there's still time, especially with the people they got coming in and the people that still have years of eligibility left. You have an entire team that's going to have be seniors next year, and you have a lot of guys on that team next year that are going to have a lot of talent. So, Yeah, and harping off of what you said, if MSU wins two games out of these eight games that they've lost in a row, we're not having this conversation. If MSU goes out in these next six games and wins two of them, that will change my mind a little bit. But for me... Something that you talked about, there, there is a timeline. Michigan State right now, Michigan State hockey is on a certain timeline. And for, for me personally, I think this is a great time to hit the reset button because you have those renovations. Imagine you're Michigan State. You get a head coach that that's, it turns some people heads. Say the hire, I, I can't name any hire, but say the hire turns a couple people's heads. People are like, ooh, that might be a good hire. You have that coupled with... The young people that are on the team, the Middendorf Tucker Davidson line, coupled with the brand new renovations, coupled with bringing in new recruits. Sure, Cole is established. He's been here. He's got the players through the transfer portal, through recruiting. But I think now would be a prime time to hit the reset button just because of the situation they're in. But if you hit the reset button, you lose a year or two. Yes. And I know. So would you would you much rather? And th- this is th- this is essentially a, a gambling game. Mm-hmm. Do you run next year with what you have now, or do you hit fire on all the lifeboats and bring in a new coach who's probably going to have a a new system uh, with b new players that they're going to want to either bring or have? Because I tell you this, you're going to lose recruits if you change coaches sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's going to happen with Michigan State, but I'm saying that's a possibility. You're going to lose I mean, recruits. You, you, I mean, you see you this all the time. Too. You see this. You see this all the time in college football. Like, 
Who was it? There was a four-star that could have went to Michigan that goes to Michigan State because Harbaugh was thinking about going to Miami. Like, the thing is, is I don't see the need to move on when the pieces are in place for this team to be good. It's a lack of execution. Because that's essentially what's been happening in the last, I would say, four games. At least four games. Harping off of what you said, you see the the pieces in the right place right now, possibly moving forward, correct? I've seen that with the KHL line and with Letheman back in 2019-2020. I'd say that's probably been that that is that has been the best MSU roster under Cole. Even with that, he still has sure he got 6th out of 7th, but he still hasn't pushed it to a point where I look at it and I see okay, with these four or five very very good players, he was able to coach a team up to play better than you know, than people expected. I haven't seen him done that at, do that at all. And then the other thing is with injuries. Sure, injuries happen on every single team. You're going to lose some good players. But as you're as a coach, you need to be able to manage the team to perform well based off whoever's in or out. It doesn't matter who's injured. Sure, you can have your star out and people are going to go like, oh, wow, of course they're not going to play good. Their star's out. You as a coach need to be able to look at that problem head on and tackle it. And... Sure, Lochran and Lewandowski are two of the hardest people to replace, but it just, you've seen it. Every single game, Louis and Lochran are not in. MSU is not in that game. And it's just, I, I, don't, I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel of Cole. That's what I'm saying. I know from a, from a media perspective and a fan perspective, it's easy to say, let's get rid of him, let's move on. And at a university standpoint, it's easier to say, well, he's done this, this, and this. If we keep him, it's that, that, and that better. But it's just, it's hard to watch Michigan State hockey last five years and have confidence that Danson Cole is going to round this corner at some point. And it's just, with, with the timeline that I, that I put out a little bit ago, it seems like it would be a decent time to fire him. But it's just, it's a touchy subject. And it's college hockey. People stay college hockey head coaches forever. So, yeah. Yeah, and kind of piggybacking off your point, one last thing I want to make, one point I want to make about this, is um, after the Ohio State game, I went to the press conference, uh, and one of the quotes that stuck out in my mind that I remember, he said, um, talking about the injuries to Lewandowski and Lockridge and them, was, you can only coach the guys that are in the lineup. And, which is true. What I, My issue is, I don't know if I can say he's done that. Uh, at least all that effectively. One of the most important things about coaching is being able to adjust to the ebbs and flows of the game or whatever you know obstacles can get thrown at your team over the course of a season. All that stuff's going to happen at some point. Injuries to key players, um, bad People stretches. People to the Olympics. You saw Minnesota did fine with that. Exactly. Um, and a bunch of things like that. And that's kind of just how that, that's that's one of the key things of coaching is being able to find those sorts of or being able to make those kinds of adjustments over the, whether over the course of a game, course of the season, whatever. I just, I don't know if I can say that Dan Cole has done that. There's nothing, like, once Lewandowski and Lachner have been out, like, and it's been that whole thing I've been harping on the whole time, of that identity's gone right now. They, it doesn't, like, they really have not been able to find a consistent identity over the course of a game um, and put anything together, really. And so that's my thing, is... Have there has there really been anything over the course of these five or 
five years or so, where it makes you look at this and say, yes, this program is going in the right direction and just give it time. I, or I, I just don't, I just don't, I think five years is the point where you want to start seeing some, like some, something you can say, you can build off of and say, this, this is what's going to take us to the level we want to get to. And I just don't think I've seen that. I want to ask you, Cam. So you've heard us say that, like, we, we haven't seen anything in Cole over these last five years that have given us hope that MSU is going to round this corner. What is your response to that? Sorry to put you on the spot. I know you had something else, but like, since we got two sides here, I just, I want to, you know, I want to experiment with them. I mean, you have to understand what has happened the past two and a half years. So yeah. first year under Dan Cole, 12, 22 and two. Second year, 12, 19 and five. Improvement. You tie three games. 19, 20 comes along. You're 15, 19 and two. Better. They could have been better because they yes. had a few games not go their way. And the entire team got the flu. Like, if I remember correctly, like, everybody had it. <laughs> like, I've had the flu a few times. Not fun when you're trying to play a game. Not fun. Especially when you're playing ice hockey. Not fun. Then you talk about last year, 7-18-2. It was a throwaway year. Everybody was, I mean, yeah. you didn't know. You, COVID year. Nobody knew who was going to be in practice. You can do anything. Team cohesion is a gigantic thing, especially in college hockey. There was really none of that last year. Can't really do anything if you're locked in your room all day. 11, 16, and 1 right now. They can get better than 12. Sure, they, they should have 12, 16, and 1. You throw away game against Air Force. Don't really know how you lose that game. But I think we, as a podcast, are focusing, are trying to say that this year's struggles, this eight-game losing streak, is similar or is in complete comparison to everything that's gone on in the past five years. Every season is different. Now, mind you, I enrolled in 2019, so did you guys. We don't know what happened in 17, 18, and 18, 19. I don't. No. And I'll be the first to say, I, I do not know that. So with that, I, th I think us as individuals are looking at this with tunnel vision. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying. Because I my point was, is if you're talking about Cole not getting it done, coaches can only do so much. And you never hear coaches do it. Coaches will never throw players under the bus. Never will. There's only so much you can do to get the players to play. To play the way that you want them to play. Sure, they're going to make mistakes. Everybody does. Even coaches make mistakes. To me... If you take a look at this eight-game losing streak, and I hate how Cole used the ran-out-of-time thing again two weeks ago against Ohio State. But the past three games, they've just ran out of time. They've been in games. It's been different. It's not the 7-2 to two loss against Michigan in Ann Arbor at the beginning of the year where you thought all hope was lost. And it's, I mean, this is still a team that beat Northern Michigan at the GLI and was in a game against Western. Now, mind you, they had Lochran and Lewandowski, but this is still the same team, same season. So for me, I don't really see the need for us to be so 
gun ho about this. Because I understand that there's a lack of execution, but there's only so much you can do. You can you can make a game plan. You can study all the film. You can have everything you need to be successful, but it's about the 20 guys on the ice or that are dressed up for the game for you to succeed. And I'm not calling people out. I'm just saying this is a team sport. There's no I in team, and that also comes with the coach. And my th- my thing is is how would you like it if you were the coach of an NHL team and your top two point scorers? So let's say let, let's make this interesting. Whoa, hey, hey. Please. You are three years ago, Buffalo. Lack of depth scoring, decent goaltending, maybe only one to two guys that can actually score. Is that not what Michigan State is? Lacks goal scoring, or la- has little to no depth scoring, has two guys that are running away with, with goal scoring and point getting, and good goaltending. Now, sorry if this is not a good comparison to Buffalo, but that's what this team is. Imagine if you're the coach of that team, of that Buffalo team, and your two, top two point getters get out. You have to scrap everything. You have to f- basically figure out exactly what to do. Put people in places where they're going to be. It's trial by fire, and it's trial and error. That's why that's why NHL teams lose whenever they they shuffle the lines and they shuffle the lines wrong. Because the whole saying is, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But whenever it is broke, you got to find something to fix it. Yep. And that's what's been happening. And that's what was happening those first four games after uh, the turn of the calendar year. And now they're in games. I understand they blow a two-goal lead. I understand that they dig themselves in the holes. But they're in games. Which is why I think the losses overlook of what this team has been able to do over the past four weeks. I, I do like it's, that. It's side, hard. Yeah. It's hard to to look at ex, to look at wins and losses and say you're not getting it done. But with what this team has had to go through, and where this team is, because we know what this team is, and I hate saying we, but I, we as a podcast, yes, we know what this team is. They lack depth scoring. They're losing their top two goal getters, and point getters. Somebody has to step up. They're not getting that. They are in certain areas, but then they 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 get a lapse in judgment for five minutes out of the game. They have yet to play a complete 60-minute game. Five minutes out of the game, they get burned. So that's that's what I'm saying. I think we are looking at this two tunnel vision and trying to compare the eight-game losing streak to five years of of little success. Because if you look at it, there's a few games that could have gone Michigan State's way. Yeah, no, I, I do like your point a lot. And I do see the the whole tunnel vision thing. I'm trying not to group all the five years, but I, I do I do like what you said there, Cam. I, I do like what you said. That makes a lot of sense. Because, I mean, I'm just this... looking at this, and it's like 2-2 tie against UMass Lowell where Louis gets hurt. They could have won. You got to beat Air Force in overtime at the beginning of the year. Oh, no, it could easily be 13 wins. Also, it could be a you know, nine-win season right now. But... Yeah. It's just, hey. And yeah. speaking of Lewandowski and Lochran, any update on those two returning? Not that I know of. Lewandowski was supposed to be at practice on Monday. Um, Ooh. that's what Cole said he was going to be, and then I have not really heard or seen anything since. So, still week to week, day to day. So there' are possibility that they might come back. Possibility that they're out for the season. We wish we could give you more on that. Yeah. 
But uh, moving on, sorry about that long-winded topic about us being super serious. But uh, we got we got some more games to talk about. We as a podcast, yes, yes, yes. Uh, this Friday, MSU travels to Ann Arbor to take on Michigan at 7.30. And then the following day, Michigan and Michigan State square off at the LCA at the Duel in the D at 7 o'clock on Saturday. After that, it's the uh, Notre Dame series at home, and then the season wraps up at home against Penn State. So there are chances to get some wins, but those are some tough teams. The easiest chance is obviously Penn State at the end of the year. So let's just jump right into the Michigan preview. Number three, Michigan is, uh, well, I would say welcome into town, but I, I can't really say that here. MSU's going to Ann Arbor and then to Detroit. So whatever. It's Michigan preview. It's It's rivalry week. Let's just jump right into it. So this is the 335th meeting in this rivalry. It's the longest college hockey rivalry of all time. Uh, MS, or U of M is up on the series 172 wins, 136 losses, and 24 ties. Uh, currently, Michigan is 21-7-1 overall and 12-6 and in big play, which is in second place. Last time these two met, Michigan took game one of a home-and-home Seven to two, and then MSU followed up with a super close comeback effort at Munn, but still fell three to two. If you guys remember that game, Michigan went up three zero in the first, and then Michigan State just clawed back slowly. But that was the original ran out of time, and I I give it to Cole. That was that was one of those games where you could definitely say that. The other times he used it, I I'd rather not him use that verbiage. But there is there is a bright spot though. A, a spot that MSU could capitalize. Much like Minnesota last week, Michigan is losing players to the, or Michigan has lost players to the Beijing Olympics. So they will be without Matt Veneers and Brendan Brisson, they made Team USA, and then Kent Johnson and Owen Power to team, to team Canada. I can't talk here. But that is their four leading scores, four best players on the ice, and they will be without them. So if you're Michigan State, Something to capitalize on. I know I'm basically a broken record from last week, but you know you got to look at the positives, and that's that's definitely something MSU could look at with a smile. So, uh, what you what do you guys got on this series, man? I mean, I I kind of treat this like I treat Minnesota, um, because obviously Minnesota was losing their was losing a lot of guys too to the Olympics, um, so it's a similar situation. What um. What what kind of adds an extra layer to this is that with this bye week, Michigan and all the guys on that aren't in Beijing right now, um, all have had an extra week to kind of practice together without those guys and I guess develop that sort of chemistry more so with the rest of them. And the thing to the thing to look at this here is even outside of those guys on there, this is still a deep team. Yes. There's still plenty of NHL prospects and all that that are still going to be playing in this game. Samuskevich, Pastajov, jeez. Exactly. Even not even mentioning Portillo and Net. Yep. So it's still a very deep team. This is still going to be definitely a tough game. This is going to be some one where Michigan State's work is cut out for them. Uh, I'm just really curious to see how this team does play together without those top guys in the lineup because you do look at some of the like some of the box scores and things like that. Um, there are guys, I think in their last game when they played Wisconsin, if I had this right, um, there was one of the guys in Beijing, at least one guy in Beijing, at least had a point on every single goal that they scored. And there was like a six, 
okay, I'm looking at this now. Um, but like you'll you'll see Baneers and Brisson and a bunch of these guys are all in that same boat where like they're looking like they're pretty much they they'll contri- they contribute a lot of offense to this team. So I think that's going to be something important to look at. Um, is just seeing how much things like that or how much of that. Okay, so okay, to kind of point as like a case in point of what I was saying. So game one against Wisconsin was a 5-1 win. Um, For Michigan, yeah. Yeah, 5-1 for Michigan. So anybody of the Beijing crew um, had a point, either assisted or scored a goal on all but one of those goals. Baneers had a goal and two assists. Um, or actually, no, I'm sorry. Three of those goals. Like, so mainly Baneer. Baneers, I think, was the main one. But like, even then, there's still plenty of other guys. Like we said, Pastajov, um, Bordolo, we didn't even mention. Uh, plenty of guys on that team still that can damage and do plenty of damage. So that's something that's going to be important still is trying to game plan for those guys. Yeah, it's still Michigan. Like let's not, let's not kid ourselves. It's still Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter who they lose to the Olympics, who will wear when why is still they're still going to have that next man up mentality. Um, it's a good team. This is a very good team. This is a team that could make waves in the NCAA tournament. So to me, this is just another one of those. The Spartans are going to have to take the game to them. They're going to have to control the pace of play. Um, and try to come away with a victory in two places they don't necessarily have the best records at. That is true. At Yoast and at LCA, they haven't been too, too lucky. But uh, moving on, blank wins if Stincy, Michigan will win if they do what? I mean, they just got to win. I think it's kind of one of those same things I've said in the past where it's like if they kind of stick to their game, they'll be able to pull out the win. But picking like an actual thing that they have to do I think the key is going to be, once again, that's just that sustained zone time. You still have the talent on that roster to be able to convert when you get those chances, um, even without the veneers of the world on your team. So the key is, yeah, just keeping that that pressure um, all game, and they'll be able to just keep doing what they've been doing and get some good looks at Derrida or Charleston, whoever's going to start. And they should be able to come out with, um, with, I think, a good two wins if they put their regular game together. What you got for me, Cam? Eh, Michigan wins if they score three or more. Michigan State's not going to win a shootout. Nope. And you can't really hold them to their word on holding a two-goal lead. So, for me, if Michigan scores three, start writing the checks. I would say if Michigan gets more than four, four or more power play opportunities, they'll win. Michigan State has been just taking penalties left and right in this eight-game losing streak, and it shows. It's frustrating. You're going to take more penalties when you're frustrated, and against your rival, you cannot be taking dumb penalties. You have to have your head on straight. You have to think clearly. You cannot go a man down, especially against Michigan. Sure, they're missing for their best scores, but like we said, they're deep. They got depth. They have people that can plug and play and score anywhere they want to. So for me, yeah, it's, it's four power plays or more, and Michigan will easily get it done. So Michigan State will win if they do what, Jacob? Um, I think they have to, I, I would like to say, score a certain amount of goals, but I say they at least have to win the shot battle. That's going to be the thing. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, you've got to put something on the net. Like, you, 
just throw pucks on with, net. You're with the talent, ta- pretty much with the talent on that team, goal. you have to kind of try going shot for shot with them a little bit. Um, as hard as that is, like they're going to put points on the board. You got to just at least do something to try and keep up with that. And I think the only way you can do that is by getting more pucks on net than them, because they got that talent. They're going to put. They're going to find the back of the net at some point. You can't rely on a miracle Drew Ritter fifty save shutout. Um, on this, so. Yeah, the key is that I think you got to win the shot battle. What you got, Cam? I like what you said, because not going to lie, I think the one thing we are overlooking is the fact that I would, in a fight, or not in a fight, but in a in a game, I would much rather choose any Michigan State goaltender right now over Portillo. I, would yeah. I don't like Portillo. Portillo looks like a fish out of water sometimes. You can get him moving east to west, and he's not that he's not that fast laterally. I mean, he's not a LaFontaine. He's not a Dobesh. So, and he he overcommits. He overcommitted a lot whenever he gave up four goals against Michigan State. Now, mind you, they did put up seven in one game and three in the other. So, he's got backup. Michigan mm-hmm. State does not have that backup. With that being said, this is a rivalry game at Yoast, which, you know, sometimes... Road teams get favored a little bit with with the stripes. We'll see. Um, and it's at LCA. So the Spartans are going to need to find a way to limit the crowd. They're going to have to have crowd control, and I think the only way they do that is if they play aggressive. Play the Jagger Joshua style game. Bring the game to them. Because, if I remember correctly, a certain YouTuber got the video of Jagger Joshua running into uh, LaFontaine. And... Closed in on Coach Cole saying, that's that's an aggressive penalty. We'll take an aggressive penalty. Now, mind you, should that have been called? In my opinion, no. It's equal equal to the puck, the puck, but it's yeah. okay. Long story short, though, they have to play aggressive. There's going to be a lot of calls that both fan bases and venues, the fans at those venues, are going to want to see called. It's not going to happen. This is a rivalry game. This is a, like, this is a Big Ten. Think of... Think of the penalties and the things that do not get called in Big Ten rivalry football games. This is what's going to happen. So there's going to be a little, there's there's going to be some blind eyes and some turned heads and some uh, imaginary whistles. So for Michigan State, they have to play aggressive because they're going to be, both teams are going to be able to get away with a little bit of stuff. You just want to make sure that Michigan State or Michigan feels that their presence is known. So our favorite saying here, maybe my favorite saying, but harping off of what you said there, Cam, it's Michigan State needs to stay aggressive. They need a good start. I I look at this eight-game losing streak, and I see maybe one game where they came out hotter than the other team with more passion, with more fire. Most of these times, they MSU just comes out sleeping, in my opinion, in the first period, and... You cannot have that against Michigan. You saw it happen in the uh, second meeting of the season when Michigan came to Mount Ice Arena. MSU was sleeping a bit. U of M took advantage with three goals in the first. MSU was sleeping. They took five power or five penalties. And sure, you have a great second period and great third and bring that game in, in within a one-goal game. But think of if you had that great start. Think of if you didn't take five penalties in the first period then that would be a completely different game. You probably would be even up at some point in that game. So for me, MSU needs to 
Be aggressive, but it's all about the start. You have to set your tone right off the bat. You cannot come out sleeping. And the other thing is kind of harping off what I said uh, Michigan would have to do if they win, which is, you know, get four power plays, which doesn't make sense to say for a team has to do this to win. But uh, MSU needs to stay off the power play or the, yeah, the the Michigan power play. MSU needs to stay off the penalty kill. There we go. I said it. I could say my words right. There we go. They cannot afford stupid penalties against Michigan. It will bite them in the butt. So that is our blank wins if. Hopefully some of that stuff happens in MSU's favor. We shall see. But we are back. It has been a long-winded episode. But we are back to the pickums. An update in the standings. Jacob leads with 44. Cam in second with 37. And then me in last with 32. So not really much change there. I don't think there's really been much there was much of a change in the the, no. the standings last week. <laughs> no, I think I gained a point on Ryan. Yeah, oh. no, you gain no you you guys both gained two points on me. So oh. uh, I'll Man, go through the uh, about. the quick review. Uh, Cam got four for doubling down on Notre Dame sweep over Penn State. Jacob yes, only sir. got two because he guessed the right but didn't double down. Uh-huh. We all got four points for the OSU sweep on Wisconsin because we Man. all doubled down. Two points to Jacob for guessing Minnesota sweeping Michigan, uh-huh. and then I got two points for predicting Denver over St. Cloud State. So. Without those two points, it would have been even worse for me. But hey, you know, it's it's still everybody's game. We still got the double down, so let's just get right into it. Jacob Stinson, we got number seven Minnesota going to number eight OSU. Who do you have? See, this is a game, honestly, this is probably the game I'm most excited to, like, that I'd be most excited to watch out of all of these. Minnesota, obviously, great team, but they are missing some guys. Um, and they they do they are prone to splits every now and again. Ohio State, absolute wagon. <laughs> like, no no doubts about it. I want to I look up exactly how many in a row they've won. Because it's been something absurd. I think it's like 10. Oh, okay, they, okay, they've had a couple shoot... Okay, so if you count shootout loss... Or we'll just, so they've lost one game in uh, this entire calendar year Yikes. in overtime. Um, what was that, Notre Dame? Yes, it was one, it was yeah. one overtime loss in Notre Dame. There's been two ties... Um, before that, but so their last their own their last regulation loss before that, December tenth. Jeez. So against Michigan. Yes, against Michigan. So wow, yeah. They Ohio State absolute unit right now, absolute wagon, and I. Th- Ohio State hockey school. Maybe. Maybe. Um, <laughs> it's hard to get, it's hard to take away football from their repertoire, but maybe but everything this team is doing there. If you look at the box scores or the, the finals too, they are putting up points. Like they will consistently put up about four, four goals a game. Their last three games alone, six goals, four goals, another six. Like the, this team is rolling right now. I don't expect that trend to continue the fully, fully against Minnesota. Um, just based off the sheer talent they're playing against. Uh, so that's why I'm going to predict a split here. Mm. But this really could go either way. I think this is this really has, I think, another good chance for a Wisconsin or for an Ohio State sweep. I mean, yeah, I think the one thing that we are overlooking is it's very hard to sweep in the Big Ten, and sweeping against tough teams is even harder. So I got a split. I'm not going to double down just because it's it's easier not to. Which kind of sucks because looking at the picks now and it's not really going to do me any good. 
<laughs> oh, you know what? We'll lose the battle to win the war. Well, we'll do that. Go. So, yep, give me a split. And hey, give me Ohio State with the sweep, and I am doubling down on that. Like I said, pretty much every single week this year, I need some points, but I have some knowledge backing this. Minnesota still missing those top three, well, not top three scores, but three players that are very crucial to their team. They don't have LaFontaine, obviously, but close has been good. I think the fact that they're going to OSU and OSU is absolutely looking like a wagon right now that OSU can take the series. So hopefully that results in four points for me. The next game on the slate, number 11, Notre Dame Fighting Irish travels to Wisconsin to take on the Badgers. Jacob Stinson, who are you picking? Give me an Irish sweep. Um, Notre Dame is, once again, another very good team. I talked about this, I think, I mentioned, I said the same thing about the Ohio State sweep last week over Wisconsin. This is, is kind of a light-up game for for a team like Notre Dame. Um, and so I think, yeah, they should they should be able to get this. So I'm going to double down on Notre Dame sweep. Cam, what you got? I mean, it's relatively self-explanatory. Give me the Fighting Irish. I'm doubling down. There's really nothing to talk about here. <laughs> yep, same Notre Dame double down. Move on to the next game. Number three, Michigan versus Michigan State. Jacob, who do you have? As much as it pains me to do this, I got to double down on a Michigan sweep here. It's Michigan's just too good of a team, top to bottom. Um, just the depth on that roster, even without those guys, it's just something I think is going to be too much for a Michigan State team to overcome, um, especially one that has that's had troubles on offense. I just I have no other reason than to pick a Michigan sweep and double down on it. It's still Michigan. I mean, I got burnt last last week by not picking Minnesota. So we're going Michigan for all the the talk that I've said on this episode. It still really doesn't change a thing. I still think um, Michigan's a better team. Um, I think this these will be close games. So hopefully, um, if it goes the way that as a fan I would like it, then you know we'll, we'll get dropped down a couple points. But as a as a stance right now, I'm doubling down on a Wolverines sweep. Same for me. I see a world where MSU takes one, but being that they aren't going to be at home for any of these two games, that makes it even harder. Michigan is Michigan. Right now, Michigan State is Michigan State. So give me the double down on the Wolverines. And for the fun of it, we got the Super Bowl coming up this weekend, gentlemen. Cincinnati versus Los Angeles Rams. We're, we're throwing it in there for an extra point. So, Jacob, what, who do you got here? Um, so my answer is kind of twofold for the reason I'm picking the team I am. Um, the first part is, uh, the St. Louis in me still has a vendetta against the Rams. <laughs> After all these years and the uh, move. this was about <laughs> bro that and the battle Hawks. Come on. The battle Hawks game was interesting. I went to one of those, uh, back when they were a thing. Um, but no, so per, the St. Louis in me has a vendetta against the Rams and I will never root for the Rams in my lifetime. Um, on the other hand. I am fully buying into the Joe Burrow, Burrow hype right now. Um, Cincinnati is kind of playing with house money with the way it is. And Joe Burrow has proven time and time again that he is that dude. So I feel that guy. So I'm going to pick a Cincinnati win here. Um, one stat I'm going to throw out for just for the fun of it. Um, so Super Bowl starting quarterbacks. Uh, there have been two Mats that have started in a Super Bowl. Matt Ryan, and Matt Hasselbeck. They're 0-2 in the Super Bowl. Mm. Now, Joes have started nine Super Bowls 
and they're seven and two in those Super Bowls. Mm. The winning, the winners being Montana four times, and then Namath, Flacco, and Theismann. Um, so that's what I'm saying. The numbers it's don't just, lie. The numbers don't lie. They do it's, not lie. So I'm just, I, I have no reason other than to pick uh, the next Joe to be added to this list, Joe Burrow. Yeah, and I think the other thing that we are overlooking is the fact that Joe Burrow has been on another planet since that UCF game. Yep, I've seen that clip going around on Twitter <laughs> like, where he got absolutely rocked off that pick six. Yeah, like let's just remind ourselves that um, imagine this being... is Joe Burrow right now who got absolutely demolished. <laughs> the kid could probably like he could have late state CTE like that that hit he got hit by a train yeah if you guys don't know um, just look up the hit LSU versus UCF what 2019 the national champions and then <laughs> yeah, Joe yeah. Burrow goes doesn't lose a college game the rest of his career mind you he only played 15 and then he, he leads Cincinnati to I think a playoff berth last year he, no, no no they didn't win no, he was but he, he tore his ACL oh yeah, yeah. and that's that why they disgusting. got the fifth pick and drafted Jamar Chase Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know when 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 Joey B plays, and he goes to his local um, smoke shop, they do they they do very well. So <laughs> it's cigar season. It's 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 Joe Burr time. Joe Shiesty. <laughs> uh, no, but just imagine being that UCF guy though. Just knowing the the monster that you awakened right there. <laughs> imagine that, if at, he ever gets drafted. Like if he did get drafted, oh and ever has to play him again, and well, he's just like. Uh, <laughs> I saw this one video on TikTok actually the other day, basically about like what like what happened to that guy, like that that did from the UCF that made that hit on Burrow, um, and I think what it was was like he went undrafted, but like he bounced around a few practice squads, and I think as of right now he's not on a team, but okay. Um, but Imagine right next year an AFC North team just picks him up. <laughs> it's like okay, Joey, here you go. <laughs> it's like okay, so ooh, it's like a deer in headlights. It's like. Drops back, five-step drop back, looks to his left and just sees a guy. And all of a sudden, he sees the Black Knight uniform. And he's like, uh-oh. <laughs> Only one man can stop Joe Burrow. That man will be Matthew Stafford. I'm Ooh. picking L.A. here. There we go. Detroit I am, Homer. Yeah, a bit of a Lions fan. Uh, unfortunately, them sucking really has taken my taste away from the NHL. But I still want Matthew Stafford to succeed. They got a good team. And I think that is what's going to happen Sunday. Matt Stafford. uh Starting at quarterback and Eminem doing the halftime show is probably the closest Detroit will ever get to a Super Bowl. <sighs> yeah, no, you're honestly right. Actually, no. Yeah. That and the LA Rams Matt Stafford shirts and the Super Bowl shirts being on sale at Meyer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that is real. Seen, I remember that seeing that real. on Snapchat oh the other God. day. One of, some, one of my friends posted that. No, I saw it yesterday because I, I went to the store and I'm like, oh, wow, this is real. <laughs> this is class. Okay, so we are we so, all good here? I think we're good. I yeah, think we're good. Yeah. We covered a lot. Probably, doubling, probably a doubling long down, episode. <laughs> doubling down on the Bengals. Not actually doubling down, but... Yeah, we, we, we didn't I'm, do that. But. I'm fully in on the Cincinnati Bengals to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, this is Go an Maddie episode Ice. where we uh, bring back the whole rate this episode. Rest in peace, <laughs> Kyle Hatties. Rate like, the episode. Oh. Oh, okay, anyways, we're going to wrap it up in here in the studio here we've got some coverage for you though cam and i will be live tweeting and writing uh on the friday game and uh on the saturday game cam and i will be on the call jacob will be writing at lca so that's that's gonna be fun and uh, i feel bad we got joey the kangaroo in the studio i didn't didn't ask him any questions didn't you know confirm he was here at all so now so joey i'm terribly sorry do you have any words to say for yourself he's got the shades on right now he is 
definitely are rolling we, with Joe Burrow. He's definitely cash. Are we, yeah, he's, no, he's sleeping. Honestly. Oh, wait, I, wait, wait, I wait. thought we we're talking about a Super Bowl picks. He's definitely rolling with Joe Burrow in the Bengals. Oh, Joey? Oh, yeah. His mic's not on. Oh, let me, let me, I, let I didn't even realize oh, his Joey... Mic wasn't no, on. his mic's not on, but I'll ask him real quick. Uh-huh, I didn't, yeah, okay. I didn't even realize the... Uh, so we're the, the over? <laughs> I don't know if... Okay. I don't know I don't if they your camera now. <laughs> I don't know. So he, he said, bet him. Jamar Chase on the over and receiving yards at 80 and a half. And he also said the Gatorade color will be blue, and he Ooh. hopes that both teams have fun. Yes, that is. But thank you, Joey. Thank because you. his first hope, love was Aussie rules football. <laughs> I hope that uh, one team does not have fun, and that team is the Los Angeles Rams. Once again, uh, oh. for my city. <laughs> okay, that's going to wrap it up here in the studio. Thank you guys so much for listening to Behind the Mask. We'll be back next week to break down the Michigan series and talk about some Notre Dame hockey coming up. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day. Peace out.